Thanks, Marissa. Uh, I think it was God in his divine wisdom that knew that I would have a mic on my face this morning so that I could say the following. My University of Mary Hardin Baylor football team is the national champions. So I made an appearance on ESPN. A little crazy. Welcome this morning. My name is Weston. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we're in the middle of this series uh, called Savoring the Season. Uh, the premise of this series is that we, during this holiday season, would taste and enjoy fully everything that God has to offer us during this season, or very similarly, um, to experience and to enjoy fully. If you were here for week one, uh, Rick talked about uh, how we savor God over the next few weeks during the season. And uh, he, he based that talk out of Psalm 34, verse 8, that says, uh, it tells us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. To taste and enjoy him fully during this season. And that's where we got our Savoring the Season journals. I hope that would have been a great tool for you in preparing your heart for the season. Uh, if you want one, there's, there's still some in the lobby. Grab one on your way out. And then if you were here for week two... Um, he talked about, and I loved it, uh, he talked about how we need to learn to savor simplicity. Um, and, and there was this quote that came out of that week, and I, I want to repeat it today because I think it's really good for us to reflect on. It says, hurry and stress are mortal enemies of savoring. Hurry and stress are mortal enemies of savoring. This series has been based out of the scripture in Matthew chapter 22, where religious people have come to Jesus, and they've asked him, um, good teacher, what is the most important commandment that we need to follow? Like of all the commandments, of everything, what's the most important thing that we need to know? And this is how Jesus replies to them. Matthew 22, verse 37. You must love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's out of this that God's desire is that we would fully savor, taste, experience, drink deep of all of who he is during this holiday season. God's desire is that the relationships that are in our lives, our family, our friends, that we would, we would drink deep and savor the gift that he's given us in relationships. And so today, the topic is how do we savor our family and our friends during this season. In thinking about savoring, uh, I wanted to share a story with you guys. Uh, I wanted to introduce you, actually, uh, Hallie, or my name is the reason we can't have nice things. <laughs> she looks really cute, y'all, right? Like, don't let it fool you. Uh, we, got, we got Hallie from the Alvin Animal Shelter, and she really has been a sweet gift from God, and I sympathize with Paul with there being a thorn in my flesh named Hallie. Um, and the, the, the thing that we didn't see coming, like Jen and I didn't see this coming is that, um, oddly enough, Hallie teaches us a lot about our relationship with the Lord. Now hang in there with me. Um, here's what she does. We'll come home and inevitably, like we've almost broke her of it, but she will have chewed something up, right? I've lost remotes. I've lost hats. We've had ordeals. Okay. Um, but here's the thing about Hallie. We get on to her. She looks very repentant. Her ears go back. She starts to shake a little bit. And she wants us to know that she's very sorry about what has incurred. 
only to when we leave again, her go back to chewing the same thing that we begged of her. I don't know why she doesn't reason like, an, like a human being at all. But the funny thing is, I have these little thoughts in the midst of those moments like, I do that with my sin. <laughs> well played, Hallie. Well played. Or there's these moments, well, every moment really for us, where she just wants to be with us. Like, if you've been to my house, you've experienced this, we apologize for it. She just wants to be under your feet. She has no fear of me falling on her, bless her soul, okay? And um, she, she just wants to enjoy us. If, if we're enjoying something, she wants to enjoy us. If there's pain, she wants to have pain with us. Like, she just wants to be with us. And again, I just have these moments where I think, like, do I do this with Jesus? Well played, Hallie. <laughs> well played, There's one thing that she does, though, that this morning I think is really applicable to what we're going to talk about. Uh, Jen and I, uh, we go to uh, McDonald's quite often because we love nutrition, and um, we get McDoubles um, because they're they're manna from heaven. Anybody in here can relate with me. And what we do is we take the buns off because, you know, we're healthy, and we just eat the meat and cheese, okay? And... um, what will end up happening, you know, no carbs, right? So um, what, what will end up happening is we'll get home, and um, Hallie knows when we have a McDonald's bag because she knows that there's going to be some buns left over that we're not going to eat. And so we have shared some people food with her. Now, we don't give her all the buns because she's watching her figure too, but um, we, we do share with her a treat. And I wanted to show you um, when she gets people food that she doesn't get very often, uh, this is kind of how she acts. So Maestro... All right, Hallie, you ready? You ready? Here we go. She's just getting after it. And then it's gone. She has zero ability to savor anything whatsoever. Chomp, 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 and swallow. Like, it's an amazing ability, okay? Um, Zero ability to take her time and to enjoy food that she doesn't get very often. Two bites and it's gone. And again, Hallie has taught me something. And I think Hallie can teach us something today as well. I told her this morning she was going to be a celebrity. Could this be how we treat our family and friends? Do we miss out on savoring because we are preparing for what's next. We can't see the value. Or maybe we just miss it because we're in such a hurry. It could be the case for you, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, where our family and our friends have been a great source of hurt to us. I mean, this happens often. We are all imperfect people. But how do we savor family and friends? I know it's God's desire that we do this, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he's talking about his great love that he has for this church. He says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. God has a great desire that we would savor the relationships in our lives. So how do we do that with imperfect people? Well, I think there's a few ways that we can really tap into how do we drink deep, and enjoy the people that God has given us as a gift called family and friends in our life. So I'm going to jump right in. The first thing I'm going to challenge you to do in order to savor your family and your friends this holiday season is simply to be present. Now, I jumped on Google, 
and I started looking at what it looks like for a family to sit down around a table and to really savor one another during the holidays, to really enjoy one another. And these were some of the images that I saw. This is really cool, right? They all got Santa hats on. An old guy just said a joke. Obviously, it was funny. Okay, ne- next one. They're taking a picture. Family and friends are gathered around the table. They're taking a picture. Next one is really cool. They did some kind of craft project. They're all wearing a crown. I think we should do this at church. Um, And then here's the deal. The next one is absolutely my favorite. It defines savoring family. Uh, This one right here. Obviously, right? If you don't know what this picture is, there's a chance for redemption for you as well. This is what savoring and our family and our friends should look like, right? But in our world, this may be what it looks like for you. I cannot tell, that hurts a little bit, doesn't it? I cannot tell you how many times I've been out at a restaurant and this has been the story I've watched unfold. I've even caught myself not even thinking about it, this being the way that my wife and I sit at a table and eat sometimes. Literally, the other day at Chili's, we watched a family of five. Only words they said was the order that they told the waiter. Dad was watching Netflix while eating his dinner, and everyone else was on some type of social media. And I just thought, man, we are the most distracted generation there has ever been. And it's in the name of streamlining life. Like, we miss out on savoring the ones that God has given us because we can't be present. This goes along with what Rick said a couple of weeks ago, where if we're going at mock speed, like, we can't be present here if that's the way our life is over here. Some of us take a lot of pride in multitasking, okay? There's no such thing, by the way, because there is no two things in your life that can get 100% of your attention. One of them will always suffer. If not, both will always suffer. So I want to challenge us this holiday season in what does it look like to be present and to savor our family and our friends, these gifts that God has given us. And I think there's a few practical ways that I just want to throw out there. Number one is this. Would you be brave enough to spend intentional time with your family and friends away from technology? Like put down the phone, get away from the emails Get away from social media. Like, and, and I love, like, I'm, my wife and I, we love to document our life on social media so that our friends can tell. Like, had great conversations with college uh, alumni this week because they've kept up with us. Like, social media can be a great tool. But would you be brave enough to get away from it for a little bit, to be here, to be present? Have planned time away from the TV. Um, I, I was planning for this uh, sermon, and I um, was talking to some friends about it, and one of my friends said, he reminded me of a game, um, that uh, if you're sitting around a table, you just challenge everybody to stack your phones on the center of the table, and then the first one that touches it either has to pay for the meal, or has to do the dishes, or there's like some kind of consequence, like we get to paint their face or something if they touch their phone, so it forces us to get our hands off these devices that take so much of our attention. Would you plan intentional time away from technology? I think it could be life-giving. Next thing I want to challenge you in is, would you plan intentional fun together? God gets great joy. I was talking to Tim about this this week. God created fun. Like he thought it up from the beginning of time, and it's his desire, and he gets great joy when we have fun with the people that that he has given us. 
our family, our friends, when we have fun with one another, our community. Go for a walk, play a game without your phone, not a game on your phone. Throw the ball around. One of my favorite memories, I'll remember this forever, is like my cousins, we'd get together at Christmas, we'd all go throw the ball. And my dad, who was 6'7", 350, used to play football, but could not play football anymore, um, got out there and thought he was going to show us a thing or two. And two plays later, hit the ground, didn't walk for a month. It was incredible. Best Christmas ever, right? <laughs> I didn't forget that because we laughed. He even laughed at himself. We had fun together. Those memories are special to me now because my dad's not with us anymore. God created you to intentionally have fun and enjoy one another without being preoccupied. Would you be bold enough to do that, to do something where the only thing on the agenda is to have fun with one another? Next thing is this. Leave work at work. This one's hard. I get it. Like God has given us incredible jobs to offer provision for our families, and those are gifts. But do not get it twisted. Your job is not worth your family. Your job is not worth your friends. Plan your life to where the energy that you expend can be outside of your job. Because I really think, like we already spend so much time doing our jobs, and they are a gift from God, and we're supposed to do them well, we're supposed to work hard, we're supposed to steward them well. But being present is more about you just being in a room with somebody. Being present is more about your mind and your heart and your soul being engaged with the people that you're with. When we're intentional to be present, we cultivate an environment that savors our family and our friends. We loved you so much that we shared not only with you God's good news, but our lives as well. Now, before I go into this next point, I want to, I want to acknowledge something. I want to unveil something. Um, there is no one on this planet that is human that can love you as well as your family and friends can love you. It's just the truth. But the flip side of that is that there is no one on this planet, there is no human that can wound you and hurt you like your family and friends can do. I understand that. Family stuff can be awesome and really, really tough. And as I said that, even people came to your mind. Because the reality is the person on your right and the person on your left, like relationships are just hard for all of us when it comes to family and friends. So before I jump into this next part, it could be the case that there is someone in your family or in your life that has hurt you to the extent that being around them for you right now would be unhealthy. And I want you to feel the freedom to know that it is okay for you to forego seeing that person for a season. So you can be, feel safe, whatever reason. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to use it as an opportunity for sin. I don't want you to use it as an opportunity to hide what God may want to do. But be honest about the space that you need because I really think that it can help you heal. I do believe that God wants to repair the broken relationships in our life. I do believe that his ultimate heart for us is restoration between our brother and sister. But I also want you to know that there is freedom in hearing him say, that may not be right now, and that is okay. So I want to share with you the concept of the ampersand. I believe there's power in the ampersand. I believe a massive part of us really savoring 
our family and our friends during this holiday season can lie in the ampersand, the and sign. I want to explain why. So in January, I, um, this concept was explained to me um, that really brought me so much freedom in my life. Like many of you, I have struggled with certain sin issues that I've just had a hard time letting go of. A lot of the reason that I would run to certain things that did not benefit me spiritually is because I had formed core beliefs about myself that controlled most everything that I did. These were things that I have, I had started believing in even when I was a boy. And I'll be honest with you, like I still struggle fighting through these core beliefs. And for the sake of understanding the ampersand this morning, I want to be a little vulnerable with you for a minute. And I want to share just a small portion uh, of what that is. I don't want to focus on this um, in particular sin for me, um, but I'm I'm hoping that it will give legs to what this concept is, okay? Um, These core beliefs for me were lies that I was believing. Uh, One of the things that is true in my life is that I have used food as a comfort and coping tool. Um, And the thing that stinks about that about that sin in my life is that you can, you can see that. I've always hated that. Um, I've struggled in this area. And without getting into the why, the core belief that I have had um, that really has torn me apart, that has led to this, has been the following. Um, I believe that as long as I ran to food for comfort and was a bigger guy, like there's a certain number involved in that core belief for me, that God could never use me, didn't want to use me, and people, even my sweet wife and my family, um, would not value me. No one ever told me that. That's just something my heart started to believe. I believe that as long as these things were true, I could never be a valuable pastor, I could never be a good husband, I could never be a good friend, and I certainly couldn't be a usable person. It was my belief that I was either this or I was that. And in the math equation that I had formed in my heart, one would always cross out the other. I was struggling hard with these things. So in January... I'm a part of a conference where I got to spend one-on-one time with a counselor for many hours. And we began to talk about this. And we began to expose these lies that were controlling me. This was a small part of that whole experience for me. But I remember being really honest and saying to this counselor, listen, man, I just really believe, like, I really believe that until, until this is fixed or until I reach this certain number, that I will, I will not be used by God. And I hid that for a long time. And maybe that's true of you too. And then he shared with me the concept of the ampersand. And he said, what if both are true? And I looked at him like, huh? And then he said this, and it, and it forever changed me. He said, what is true is that you are a man whose sin has caused health issues in your life and could have life consequences. And you're a man who is being used by God for his kingdom. 
You're a man who has sin issues, and you are deeply loved by the God who created you. You're a man who has work to do in the areas of healing, and you are wonderfully and uniquely made by God for God. And then he began to explain that there is not a human being in the Bible that this is not true of. Blew my mind. David, in the Old Testament. What we know about David is that he was a murderer, an adulterer, and he's described as a man after God's own heart. You feel that? Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, stuck his foot in his mouth more than you and I probably ever will, and he's the man that Jesus looked at and said, my church is going to be built on you. Can you imagine the grace that he felt? He knew who he was. Paul, after his conversion, he expresses to God over and over again about that he is struggling with something. There is a thorn in his flesh, like Hallie is to me sometimes. And he's the man that God used to reach the Gentile culture for the gospel of Jesus. He wrote most of the New Testament. God used him to do incredible, incredible things. I just remember feeling freedom. I just remember feeling like a weight had lifted up off of me. Not from the fact that my sin was okay. My counselor did a really good job not letting me justify my sin. He was very honest in saying, always remember that there is work to do on each side of this ampersand. Always remember that. Because both sides are true, we have to be aware of it. But for the first time, I was able to see what was true about my life and my struggles and the fact that God views me differently than I view myself. Beautiful picture of grace. Now, now that that's simmered a little bit, how does this relate to savoring our family and friends. Some of us, maybe more than some of us, are walking into holidays with families who have caused, or family members or friends who have caused wounds. Maybe they're hard to deal with. These people were supposed to love us, but they hurt us. How are we supposed to savor people who have caused deep damage in our hearts? And here's what is true. I know that some of us, we walk into those situations feeling incredibly guilty. Into these family gatherings. Because um, this is a person who you struggle to be around. Or these are people who you struggle to be around. But you know that you're supposed to love them. And it's like you, you have this feeling like you can't live without them. And there's this tension because you want to. Live in the ampersand. What's true is that you're going to walk into these relationships and there's going to be baggage. Baggage of the past and you have a desire to savor the future. What's true is that people have hurt you, have hurt me, and you love them. That's what's true. 
What's true is that all the hurt can be true and you can still savor the relationship even though there is work to do on each side of this ampersand. And here is what the ampersand would tell us. Just because one side is true, that doesn't mean that the other side isn't. Romans 5.8 says that even yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, now, now check this out. We are sinners and Christ died for us. That is a central theme of the gospel, that you were dead in your trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy, offered you life when you didn't deserve it. There's freedom in the ampersand. And when we're able to see the truth for what it really is, I think two things will happen. Number one, I think we will recognize what is good. We'll be able to see what is good. The truth for me is that there are people... There are family and friends in my life, past and present, that have been a source of hurt or pain to me, whether it be deep or surface level. And I have felt in the past that if the hurt were true, then the love can't be. But I have gotten to know this ampersand, and what is true is that the hurt can be present, and I can have deep love for those people. It's given me a perspective to allow me to love what is good without discrediting the hurt, without minimizing the hurt. It also gives me a grace for people because the reality is the people in our lives are human beings just like us who are sinful and God deeply loves them. He wakes up every day and they are on his mind just like you are. There's no shame in knowing what is true. There is no condemnation in knowing what is true. We're able to recognize what is good. I think it also causes us to be able to hear the voice of God, to listen to God's voice. You know, John 10.10 says that the enemy, the thief, his purpose, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, meaning that he would love to bury you in shame and in anger and keep you from savoring God during this time, to keep you from savoring family and friends. He wants to cause dissension between you and ruin relationships. But when I see through the lens of what God sees, I believe it opens up my heart to listen to God's voice. What would he say to me? And what would he say about my family and my friends? Because even though our family and friends are the ones who can wound us the most, they are also people who Christ died to set free. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us, for them. Relationships are hard. You are not alone. But I really believe that God's desire is that we would savor this time with our family and our friends. And it really can be a taste of heaven. We loved you so much that we wanted to not only share God's good news with you, but our lives too. And that doesn't have to be nullified because things are true. Last thing I want to challenge you with this. Walk in humility. Walk in humility. This one is hard to do because most of our sin is rooted in either pride or idolatry. Matthew 5, verse 5 says that, Um, Jesus is saying, um, blessed are those who are humble. I know Rick mentioned him uh, a few weeks ago, but this author, Andrew Murray, has an incredible book. It's called Humility, and I would would encourage anyone in here to grab it. It's a very small book, but you will want to chew on that thing. Not literally, that'd be weird. (laughs) One of the quotes in there, the way he defines humility is this, entire dependence on God. Rick said that a few weeks ago, and yeah, entire dependence on God. 
I think humility is having a right view of who we are in a right view of who God is. When we see that we are in deep need of God's love and grace in our lives, it helps us to live in humility with others. Humility is not weak. Humility is not cowardice. There is nothing about you that will be a coward if you live humbly. I know many men in my life, and men struggle with this, who are some of the most ferocious, manly men that I have ever known, and they walk in humility every single day. True godly humility knows the value that God has placed on his people. And we can in turn, when we know that, symbolically place that on other people, no matter the history. It's out of a humble heart that we're able to drink deep and we're able to savor those family and friends that God has given us. What a gift that is. So really quick, I want to walk through how can we walk in humility in a practical way? First thing is this, we have to confess our need for God. Humility is a change of heart. If we try to do it and our heart is not there, it is called false humility and it, will not, it won't profit us. But before walking into family or friend situations and gatherings, just simply pray this humble prayer of confessing your need for God. God, I need you right now. I need your love to be the love that my family sees today. I need your grace to be the grace that my friends feel today. Help me to see the grace that you've poured on me so that it's easier for me to pour grace on others. Simple prayer, bold prayer. Center your heart's attention and affection on the love that God has given you. Next, lift higher or lift others higher than yourself. Speak well of others. Celebrate others more than you do yourself. This attitude makes much of others and less of yourself. This doesn't mean that we cannot share what God is doing in our life. One of the great gifts that God has given us is family that we can brag on. That's awesome. But make it about bringing glory to him and not you. Make yourself low. John 3.30, I must decrease so that he can increase. Lift higher. Lift others higher than yourself. And the last thing is truly listen when people are talking to you. People will begin to realize when you're not listening when you talk to them. This is an art that has to be grown. Make eye contact with people. Care about what is being said. Don't just hear it. Care about it. I'm saying this because it's really hard for me. <laughs> Respond with love at the right times. Make sure that the person who you are talking to really is the center of your attention. And if they're not, what do you have to do to make them the center of your attention, even for five minutes? This is the way others feel valued and you're able to really savor them well. Humility is this key ingredient to savoring our family and our friends. You know, the season brings so much excitement and, or it can bring so much emotion due to wherever we are in life circumstances. But what I know is that God knows, knows each one of our lives and each one of our hearts better than we know ourselves. In every joy, he was a part of it. And hear this from a heart that understands, in every hurt, he was there too. And one thing I know is that whether you're on the highest of mountaintops right now in life, or you are in the lowest pit of despair, or you are somewhere in the middle, 
his desire is that you would be like the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 34, that you would taste and see that he's good. Because he is good. And it's out of his goodness that he invites us to savor our family and our friends, these gifts that he has given us. You know, as I was, as I was writing this, and uh, I shared it with some friends, and I was listening to God, and I got done, and I read through it, and it just dawned on me. Like, I had, a, I had this moment with the Lord. <laughs> like, be present. L- live in the ampersand. Walk in humility. Like, this is how Jesus treats me. Jesus is present. Jesus doesn't allow my sin to cancel out how much he loves me and offers me grace. He doesn't excuse the sin that I want to go back to. But man, his love and mercy is always waiting. And Jesus, and we were, we were meditating on this as a student ministry, like Jesus could have came into this earth and, and I think Katie said this, in like this presidential, like, amazing people marching in saying he was the king. But what did he do? He walked in humbly into a barn, into a manger, and barely anybody knew he was here. This is a picture of Jesus. And he savors us. So I want to invite Mark, the band back up here. And if, if we could, could we savor Jesus together? We're going to sing a song. It's one of my favorite songs. And I'm probably going to get up here and stomp a hole in the stage afterwards. But we have a lot, a lot to celebrate when it comes to the fact that Jesus loves us so much. And it's out of a heart that knows how much you're loved by God where you can love people, no matter what the situation don't let me downplay the hurt in your life. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I do know is that God restores brokenness. And his desire is that we would savor every single last bit. Last thing, I got this picture of me. Uh, one of my favorite things is steak. I love steak. My wife knows that. And uh, I, I calculate how I'm going to eat the steak. <laughs> Like, I'm going to eat this part first. I'm going to save this part for last. My wife knows that she'll get her hand chopped off if she tries to, right? And every last bite, in a very human, can't compare to Jesus way, I savor every bite of that thing. Why would we not do that with God? Why would we not do that with family? Steaks come and go. Family and friends, Jesus. Why would we not do that? So as we sing, would we savor Jesus together? And then I'm going to come back up and close this. Uh, Let me pray with us. Father, uh, just this thought of the fact that you, you could be a God who is far out in the wherever, and you could leave it up to us to think about the fact that there's this God out there that we know about and we got to do everything we can to try to figure him out and to find him. That's not who you are. You're a God who is present with your people. And so as we celebrate that, as we celebrate the fact that 
you desire deep relationship, that you desire to savor a relationship with us. Help us to meditate on this gift of family and friends, like this good dad who gives his kids gifts and he wants to see them enjoy it. God, may we drink deep of that. Because when we do that, we're enjoying our dad. Attune our heart to that, in Jesus' name.